Welcome to Shaken and Disturbed, everybody. This is your mother, J-Bone, reporting for duty. And uh, we are doing another flashback episode this week, but don't panic. We're going to be back next week with all new episodes. Turns out my vacation was a week before Darren's. So we had back-to-back vacations. And, um, you know, frankly, like I said last week, we deserve it. I'm going to be completely honest. We deserve it. Um, but we love you guys. We miss you guys. We'll be back, like I said, next week with new NMRs, new full episodes. We probably will do one or two more just to really feed you kids, as they say. Um, I wanted to do a flashback episode of a disappearance episode, actually, because, you know, it's always important to get these cases out into the ether. This is the disappearance of Lauren Spearer. This originally aired from us, uh, in August of last year. And, um, you know, any attention that we can give to these missing people, um, I think is important. So, um, without further ado, here's the disappearance of Lauren Spearer. We will be back next week, as I said, with all new episodes. We're still active on social media. If you really miss us, hit us up there. We're on our Patreon. We just aren't together recording, okay? Give us a little bit of love. We we miss you guys. Send us some love. We'll see you guys next week. And without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome to Shaken and Disturbed, everyone. I'm Darren Carp, and who the hell are you again, John? Hi, everybody. It's me, oh, John no. Thrasher, husband to David Archuleta, the Hello. sixth Spice Girl, and I am ready to be shaken and disturbed on today's episode. Sorry, that was just my radio announcer. Was that, how long did it take you to write that out? Oh, it's just been in my head All for day? years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool, yeah. Cool. That's just who I am. I like, well, walk, how... you know how like whenever you're in the shower, you're like reciting. I don't know if you'd do this, but like, I just like recite things in my head out loud or like, you know, you just think about things yeah. that you wouldn't normally think about during the day. That's kind of what I go to right away. Gotcha. What I, I hear said. you. Yeah. I, I sometimes practice scripts or something or an <laughs> intro. If I'm on GMA, I do that in the shower and I just like go there through, you go. go through it. It's free time, people. But anyway, how's that going, about, by the way? GMA. GMA is going great, actually. Good. It was. It's going really well. Yeah, I got to find out my next date. Hopefully, there will be another one. And uh, love it. Yeah, it's it's always fun to do. And I officiated my cousin's wedding. I was going to ask weekend. you. I saw the Instagrams, and you had a cute outfit. How did it go? Thank you for the outfit compliment. Mm-hmm. It actually went really well. I was there were sort of like no rules, so which is <laughs> great right. for me, but also very difficult because you're like, okay, there's no rules, but you still want to like, yeah, give them everything that they really wanted, yeah, right. right? And you want to make sure that you're not like, I didn't want to take it as like a stand up routine. You know what I mean? Like oh, it's their I know wedding. Exactly I want to take you're it. Saying. Yes. Right. You know, we kind of went through this last week, but it's just kind of like yeah. you want to be, you want to deliver the right thing. You and know, you, you want to always... be like, you want to make everyone feel good because the other thing too is I've, I've done one, by the way, only one wedding my whole life. It was for my best friends. And you know, I think Darren and not to interrupt you, I just want to like mention this before I forget is that I remember thinking like, Oh my God, everyone's really tense. Like I was like a third of the way through and I'm like, can ever, so I like made a little joke and it really like 
cut the tension in the room and I feel like everyone got a little like you know less nervous and more like oh okay yeah, yeah this is a moment to celebrate I feel like that's what you were discussing you were mentioning yes, the, yeah exactly and it's also like you don't want to be sitting there too long like you want to oh, make no. it impactful oh. but and but also not a you know <sighs> diatribe on your you know mm-hmm. upbringing of your childhood so I think they did a good job the bride and groom were happy or at least they Great. said that they were unless they're lying to me which is they fair could be. they could be they could you never know you um, don't want to get on your bad side that's for sure Absolutely not. I know mm-hmm. how to kill people mm-hmm. now. Obviously. Well, you think we're doing the show for fun? I don't think well, so. Well, yeah, exactly. We have no fun here ever. I never <laughs> smile. I never smile with you. It's, it's all just research on for how we're going to murder people in the future. Yes, exactly. But uh, are yeah. you drinking on today's episode? You know, I was so inspired by the people who uh, thanked us, and we'll get to some of it later on the episode in our listener shout-outs, yeah. um, who thanked us for for sh- not drinking in an episode. I think recently, Darren, you had, you know, you were just drinking some Diet Cokes, which are also delicious, by the way. Delicious. Um, so I am just having my iced coffee today. I will say I ordered some alcohol, so hopefully that'll be in next week, and I can tell you what that is next week. Um, oh. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Um, but for today, it's just my regular iced coffee with creamer. I'm going to be completely honest. Do with, you put su- sugar in your iced coffee? I don't put sugar in it, but I have a creamer. I was just about to tell you, my Dunkin' Donuts creamer I really have mm. liked. Um, it's just basic creamer, but it's just sweet enough. You know, I don't like... I typically love sweet things. I love a dessert. I love a brownie. I love ice cream, blah, blah, blah. Um but not necessarily with my coffee. I like my coffee to be a little more, not tart, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like a little, a little richer. Yeah, bitter. Maybe that's the word. Yeah. Yeah, I don't take any sugar in my coffee. Just yeah. like coffee and then half and half because I feel like the cream is just like it's sweet enough. Much. Yeah, you exactly. Know? It's just the right, stuff. Um, the right I, stuff. The right stuff. The right stuff. I am drinking a Sancerre today because. Ooh, what's that? I don't even know what that is. It is a white wine. Oh, okay. From- uh, from France, we come from France. From France, do you get that? Mm-hmm. Do you get that line if I say France? We come from France. Do you get that movie reference? I don't. It sounds familiar it's, though. It's from Coneheads. Okay, got it. Yes. Cone- anyway, I knew it was going to be something like that. I almost thought Mars Attacks, which I think came out around the same uh, time, but yeah. No, well, Coneheads was earlier than Mars Attacks, but okay. Mars Attacks was a great movie. Okay, you want to hear something funny? All my life, people would ask me like, "What's the worst movie you ever saw?" And I would it's always Mars say Mars Attacks. <laughs> But it's great because it's so bad. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch it again with that kind of approach. I think it's. I think now we would probably describe it as like kitschy or campy. yeah, right, right, right. And and it is, but it's also so good. Like even the aliens are just so I know. good. Like, I mean, if my favorite movie is Spice World, which it is, right. then What's I need the to, here? you know, yeah, exactly. Like, what is right. the standard I'm holding myself to? Well, Anyway, I I, yes. I tried to get it. I was into wine in my younger days, but then mm-hmm. started to make me tired. Anyway, I've tried to get back into a little bit white wine. Sancerre I had the other day, and I liked it. I usually like a dry white. So okay. cheers, cheers to you, John. Yes, cheers. Uh, Thank you. Clink. I don't clink. know. It's in, it's in a it's in a cup, so it's you know. I'm, <laughs> Mine's I'm happy. in a bad um, living here, people. No, that's fine. Mine is in a reusable Starbucks uh, plastic cup. Well, look at you saving the environment one cup at a time. I know. And by the way, can I tell you how much money I've saved by buying one of these things? I don't go... Well, I don't have a Starbucks in my town, but there are plenty of uh, right. coffee shops. 
And I was like, why don't I just buy this cup and like refill it instead of like running out, like getting in my car in the middle of the workday, running out, going and get a coffee, dealing with that plastic, because I have become very aware of the plastic usage that I've that I'm contributing to. So I still do go to the coffee shops, but not nearly as often. And I've saved so much money just buying coffee, like iced coffee and iced, um, not, yeah, I, uh, cold coffee, I should say, not iced coffee, um, that you can just buy in a jug. And then also the caramel macchiato in a jug from Mm. Starbucks is better than a caramel macchiato in the store. I'm just going to say it. I just, I like Starbucks, but I don't love Starbucks. Yeah, me too. I'm the same way. I really prefer a Dunkin'. I like a coffee bean Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I like a McDonald's coffee. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold up. Before we get into this week's episode, we've got to get a clearer understanding. Are you saying that you like Dunkin' and McDonald's coffee over Starbucks? Hands (gasps) down. I live near all three. And I go to McDonald's every Listen, day. I won't, I'm not going to hate on a McDonald's coffee. It actually is pretty good. Um, they just load it up with so many calories. I'm like, what is in this? I don't know what it's, the I difference is. it's like is. the creamer or it something. It must be something. Yeah. Listen, we're going to have to get into that another time because I'm, I feel That's like you just stabbed episode. me in the, in the <laughs> face. Um, what can I say, Johnny boy? It's just a little burnt. Maybe it's an East Coast thing. I don't know. It's I don't a little know. Burnt. Interesting. All right. Well, yeah. this will definitely be on the next episode of NMR, which is going so, on our Patreon. Someone so. may say you're shaken and disturbed by this. <laughs> but, uh... That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yes, exactly. But let's, let's get into the case because that is why people are here, not to l- listen to us review coffee. Although, Darren, that might be another show we should do, could reviewing you... coffee, you know? Yeah, I can I can see it being one episode, but a very solid <laughs> yeah. one episode. That's a good point. Yeah, it would be the right. best episode ever right. of a It'd podcast. Right, it'd be like a special. Right, But just exactly. one. There right. you go. Right. Oh my God, what if we did things like that on our Patreon? Like, just, like, just went and did something completely off the rails, like just reviewed coffee and put it on as an episode i do think it would be funny be fun. if like the, if the listeners had some like mindless debate that they wanted to see if we could like argue or debate <laughs> i always thought that would be fun that's a great idea like it might 20 be 20 minutes of like point counterpoint which it's like starbucks or duncan you know oh my I mean? god it's not we're doing like... it we're doing Done. it Oh my God, it's going to start, we're going to start it with that exact topic. But the topic of this week's episode of Shaken and Disturbed is not coffee. Darren, let's get right into the episode. You guys, let me tell you something. You might think that this podcast is a small business. It ain't. It's anything but. We've got paperwork galore. It's tax season. It's a lot. There's a lot going on. Okay. And I'm constantly needing to mail things. Time is money. Don't waste either with repeated trips to the post office. With Stamps.com, you can skip the trip and focus on how to take your small business to the next level. Stamps.com lets you print off official postage right from your computer and saves you money in the process, so you can spend less time at the office and more time making your customers happy. Because who wants to spend more time at the post office if you don't need to be there? So whether it was like the postcards that we sent uh, many of you Patreon subscribers over the holiday season or just general paperwork that needs done. A lot of stamps are used to keep shaken and disturbed up and running, believe me. 
For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services that you need right from your computer. I mean, it really couldn't be any easier than this. And you can get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS rates. You can't get a better bargain than that. So stop overpaying for shipping with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code SHAKEN for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code SHAKEN. So Lauren Spear was born on January 17, 1991 in Scarsdale, New York, to Robert and Charlene Spearer. Now, when I hear Scarsdale, Darren, you're not going to get this reference, but... For those of you who are mus- who like Broadway, I immediately think of Nanette Himmelfarb, the rabbi's daughter at the Scarsdale Jewish Community Center, which is a line from Rent. I've mentioned yes. this before, I think, on Martinis and Murder in the past. I saw Rent three times, John. Oh, you did? Okay, then you know what I'm talking about. Huge Rent. And I remember flubbing the line on Martinis and Murder, and Megan, who was in the studio with us at the time, was like, um, she like raised her hand. She was like, hi, that's not the line. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. Thank you, Megan. That's why we keep you around. But I got it right this time. But anyway. I I think of Scarsdale Surprise, which is in a Seinfeld episode when (laughs) Kramer got up to win the Tony for Scarsdale Surprise, but he was not part of the production, (laughs) but he walked away with the Tony. I remember that. But I digress. I love that. By the way, how's your... um, should we mention it? Because it's been a minute. I think we can mention the little uh, birthday gift I got you. Remember you yes, said it was the, specifically just for Patreon, but it's been a while, right? So. The JLD Funko Pop is That's sitting right. nicely in my windowsill, and she is a babe. A.K.A. Elaine from Seinfeld, yes. for those who are exactly. wondering. Yeah. Sorry, JLD. Julie Louis-Dreyfus. That's all right. Her. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. So back to these details, Darren. I'm in a mood today, so, you know, I'm all over the place. But that's how it goes. I'm shaken and disturbed. Well, Lauren graduated from high school in 2009 and enrolled in Indiana University, where she started studying fashion. As she attended class, Lauren also did a lot of work with her school's Jewish community, which I was just Mm -hmm. referencing, attending gatherings at the campus Hillel and even spending spring break planting trees in Israel with the Jewish National Fund. Now, did I say Hillel right? Because Darren, okay, just making sure. Um, During her sophomore year of college, Lauren also had a boyfriend, Jesse Wolf, who she'd met at a summer camp uh, three years prior. On the evening of June 3rd, 2001, 20-year-old Lauren spent part of the evening texting with Jesse, who was home watching a Knicks playoff game with his father. Hell yeah, go Knicks. I was just going to say, this is a big setup for you, Darren. I know you love the Knicks. Yes. Also interesting, 2001, like, I had to take a beat there, and I'm like, did they have, did we have texting in 2001? I guess we did. I just don't remember it. Did yeah, no, okay. we did. It was like the T nine days. <laughs> That's Remember right. Those? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, those were the days. So some people for listening probably have no idea what that is, but you can go search it. As, as millennials, we are full of these weird little things like that in our heads. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Lauren ended the conversation by telling Jesse that she wanted to go to sleep. To which he responded, "If you wake up, call me and we'll talk." Hmm. I don't like okay. if you wake up. I don't like that very right. sus um well jess yeah jesse went to bed soon after however lauren didn't go to bed 
and was seen leaving her Indiana apartment with a friend named David Ron. The two headed to the apartment of another friend, Jay Rosenbaum, where they met Jay and his neighbor, Corey Rossman. Now, Jay later told investigators that while at his apartment, either Lauren or David crushed up and snorted clonopin, a drug used for seizures and panic attacks. Mm-hmm. He also believed that the two had used cocaine. However, later the later investigation turned up no evidence of cocaine usage. So there's we went from this girl's you know does work for her Jewish community center to snorting clonopin very quickly. Well. You know. I will say, I mean, yes, we went quickly in the story, but I will say one doesn't really have to do with the other. Not at all. I'm just saying you know, it's quick. Yeah, yeah. It, it's quick. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it is quick. It is a juxtaposition of, I think, stereotypes, but I don't think one yeah. has to do with the other. However, uh, in, in terms of thinking that the guy used cocaine, I imagine that Klonopin crushed up, it looks kind of similar to cocaine. So it, perhaps oh, that good was point. just like yeah. a flub of his own judgment. But yeah, yeah, and let me be clear. I was not making any kind of connection to those two things. I just meant in the first segment of our show yes. we went we, from a we did nice go from Jewish zero to girl. 60 yeah exactly yes yes yes, yes, yes. yes. well at 1 a.m surveillance footage shows lauren entering kilroy sports bar which she was admitted to with a fake id um some of us may have been there before in terms of oh. having a fake id in oh. our lives okay i never did to be honest oh I, I mean no, that's not weird. I think that's some weird. people yeah. do. I don't think anyone does. It's not smart. Listen, I was not one of those people young in my life who was like trying to go to the club all the time. So I really didn't have, you know me. Darren. Right, exactly. I'm home with my my Spice Girls Barbies. and Right. Um... They let anyone into Toys R Us. No <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't right. need a fake ID to get in there. You're Thanks. good. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> well, Kilroy <laughs> Sports Bar had a, had a sandy outdoor patio during the evening. Lauren took off her shoes to walk out onto the patio. I know it's probably kind of gross, but like I love a sandbar tiki bar do you that's funny yeah um, i love it i okay. just love the vibes all right well it, it might be sussy but i, I do. guess it depends Screw where it, like i'm thinking about something like this in new york city and i'm like i don't know if i could do that but like right. at a at a beach you know oh, yeah i've done it in new york city so oh, i have boy. lower standards than oh, boy. oh boy oh boy Oh, boy. Very <laughs> sussy. Well, at 2.27 a.m., surveillance footage shows that Lauren and Corey Rossman left the bar together. Okay. Lauren had forgotten her shoes and phone at the bar. Both were very drunk. This has happened before, although I've never forgotten shoes. I was going to say, at a sandbar, I guess that is something that happened. It's you easy. forget your shoes. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes. And the two first walked to Lauren's apartment complex, Smallwood Plaza. And at 2.30 a.m., Lauren is caught on tape entering her apartment complex with Corey. Okay. So it's it's adding up here. Yeah. A building, a building resident, Zach Oaks, noticed Lauren's intoxication, and there was an altercation between Zach and Corey. Now, okay. the details of this altercation are unclear. However, Lauren's family claims Zach noticed Lauren being too intoxicated and perceived Corey as trying to be lecherously taken advantage. Oh, sorry, lecherously take advantage mm-hmm. of her inebriation. So that was going to be my best bet that there's, you know, maybe this guy's kind of trying to step in here uh, yeah. when you see something potentially going to happen. There's no proof that there was, but right, right. potential. Now, the incident ended in Zach punching Corey oh. to the floor. Police later concluded that Lauren actually entered her apartment while at the complex, and she and Corey left 12 minutes later. Okay. So he must have been punched on the floor, maybe, or something. And, and either way, up. they left. That's what we either need Either way, know. they left. Yeah. Well, at 2.48, this is the important part here, footage shows Lauren and Corey entering an alleyway running between Moron Street and College <laughs> Avenue. And yes, it's called Moron. Yeah. It could be Moron. Moron. But I'm saying Moron. Or Moron, and, for all uh, we know. Uh, 
Exactly. Well, at 2.51, cameras show the two exiting the alley, walking towards an empty lot, and Lauren's purse and keys were later found in the alley. Seems unlikely that she would have just left them there. Right, behind. In an alleyway, yes. Yeah, also the irony of having Moron Street and College Avenue intersect like I that. I like, it's so like, good. What's going on here? But Moron and Idiot no, Avenue are yeah. intersecting. Yes. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, during the walk from Smallwood, Lauren fell twice on her Ooh. head. And Corey uh, carried her part of the way to the apartment he shared with his roommate, Michael. Again, she's intoxicated. Right. So her falling is not, it's not a good sign. No. It's just like not necessarily, right. It's injury. par for the course, frankly. Right. Well, Michael was at the apartment when the two arrived. Michael stated that Corey had been so intoxicated that Michael had needed to lead his roommate to bed after Corey had Ooh. vomited all over the carpet. Listen, if we've been in college, we've we've seen and heard some of these things before. Yeah, but not not me. I've never not done you. That. Oh never. hell no! You are straight lace with your fake ID. I've never done that. <laughs> I've never done that. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> meanwhile, the listeners are like, "Shut up, you two. I know. <laughs> Michael also recounted encouraging Lauren to spend the night at their apartment for her own safety. However, Lauren had been adamant about wanting to return to her own place. I'm like this. Like, even if I'm, like, really, really drunk, as long as it's safe. Like, I would never drive when I was drunk. But, like, you know, an uh-huh. Uber, whatever, walking home, no matter where I was. Like, I, you know, I've done that a lot because I, like, I love my bed. There's a Drake oh, song, too. I Only Love My Mom in My Bed. That is me. Um, oh. I have to make sure I am in my bed. I don't want to be sleeping in some rickety old futon. I hear you. You know you what I'm saying? That, that I'm just throwing of your own sheets. Thank I you. Exactly. Exactly. And I have a very high thread count on my sheets. Thank you very much. It's, they're, oh. very, they're very, very she soft. fancy. She fancy. Anyway, at 3.30 a.m., Michael called his neighbor, Jay Rosenbaum, Lauren's friend whom she'd been out with that night, wanting Jay to come take care of Lauren. So now she's, like, so intoxicated, essentially, that... They're sending in, like, a, a SWAT team. Yeah, help. like, they're they're going to need, like, a whole team here. Well, though Lauren wanted to go home and, con- and continue drinking, she was eventually persuaded to go to Jay's apartment nearby... Jay noticed Lauren had a bruise under her eye, but and she was unable to tell Jay where it had even come from. This might have been because she was face planting um, in alleyways, potentially. True. Well, Jay states that Lauren then made two calls from his phone. Two phone calls were indeed placed from his phone. One to David Ron, who I had just mentioned earlier, uh, the friend Lauren had initially gone out with for the night. And the other was to another of Lauren's friends. Neither call was answered, however. And it makes mm-hmm. you wonder, like, you know, she's she's inebriated, but she's well enough or of, the, of a mindset enough to make phone calls to people you know, for whatever reason, we don't know yet exactly why, but I think it's just important to like understand where her head is at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, you never know sometimes what you can kind of pick up. Could have been Jay been like, you know, Mm -hmm. could it have been Jay like scrolling to David to try and call, you know, Mm. like just because it's Jay's phone and even, you know, it could have been him instead of Lauren. I'm not saying it is, but like, he could have dialed the number and she could have been on the line. For sure. So there, there's a lot going on here. And yeah. it's not surprising that they were unanswered. It's 3.30 a.m. I know. Well, then, you know, an hour later at 4.30 a.m., Jay states that Lauren left his apartment and that he last saw her on the intersection of College Avenue and 11th Street, not Moron hmm. Street. Which, like, exactly. is that even real? Anyway, at the time, Lauren was dressed in a white shirt, black leggings, and was barefoot. 
This was actually the last known sighting of her. Wow. Tragic. The following morning on June 4th, Lauren's boyfriend Jesse texted Lauren's phone and received a reply from a Kilroy sports bar employee as she had forgotten her phone there the night before. So she's lost, you know, she's kind of forgetful with this stuff. Obviously, given the circumstances, Jesse immediately reported Lauren missing. The same day, Lauren's parents were notified and arrived in Indiana. So this went from she was drunk and maybe like out in the middle of the night to now she's actually just missing. Yeah. And it's really scary, especially for women. I mean, who can get this drunk just because I think you're more vulnerable. Totally. It just makes you rethink. And I'm sort of happy that I managed to kind of remain unscathed throughout my college career, but it is a little scary. It is. Um, Yeah. Well, on June 5th, an armchair detective with no connection whatsoever to Lauren learned of her disappearance and started a Twitter feed at News on Lauren S. Mm. So within two weeks, the account had amassed 20,000 followers, including Ryan Seacrest, Anderson Cooper, and Kim Kardashian, who helped to spread the word about the missing persons case. And I mean, listen, those are good people to have following. You know, you got Ryan Seacrest, who's on every day on ABC. I mean, Kim Kardashian's like getting people out of jail. (laughs) Kim Kardashian. Anderson Cooper's on the fucking news. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like who better than those three people? Well, on June 6th, hundreds of volunteers began hunting for Lauren, conducting three daily searches in mm. Bloomington, Indiana. The next day, on June 7th, NBC's Today, ABC's GMA, and CBS Morning News all featured story about Lauren's disappearance. Wow. And people on social media became very involved in the hunt. A Facebook page called Help Find Lauren Sp- Spearer grew to 12,000 followers, and similar, several similar pages accumulated a total of 72,000 wow. followers. So this is kind of a, a trending topic, if you will. Yeah. And on June 8th, police received a tip and sent divers to search Lake Monroe, but the search unfortunately turned up nothing. Mm. Jim Ursay, the owner of the Baltimore Coats, Colts, Coats, Jim Ur- <laughs> <laughs> the owner Close. of the Baltimore Colts, went on to Twitter and offered $10,000 reward for Lauren's safe return. These wow. people have nothing to do with Lauren, so this is really yeah. incredible here. yeah. The next day on June 9th, Lauren's family issued a $100,000 reward for information leading to Lauren's safe return. Hmm. Tips poured into police monitor tip lines. And on June 10th, police issued a statement saying they now had 10 persons of interest, including Corey, on this list. Hmm. Now, Lauren's parents both heavily suspected that Corey was somehow involved in their daughter's disappearance, stating in interviews throughout the investigation, we think he's a liar and a coward. Wow. Corey and his roommate, Mike, both agreed to submit DNA tests to authorities. Corey also agreed to take a polygraph test, which he passed. Okay. Lauren's boyfriend, Jesse, also took a polygraph, which showed he had no involvement in Lauren's disappearance. So right now where we are, yeah. the only person I can possibly think of would be Jay, and that's only because he was the last to see her alive that we know of. That's right. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And plus, don't forget those phone calls. That went exactly. unanswered. Well, on June 11th, Lauren's story appeared on America's Most Wanted, which produced mm. roughly 350 tips. And it makes you wonder, like, 350 tips. What percent of those 350 tips are workable? Incredible, yeah. Incredible, I mean, yeah. Probably then, not a lot. Probably not a lot. Yeah, and then it makes you wonder, like, what are people, like, submitting then exactly? Like, are people just bored and, like, messing with America's Most Wanted? No. Don't do that. 
I don't I don't necessarily think that. I think, well, maybe, right? I think that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. But I also think it's people just maybe being mistaken and wanting to submit it just in case. You oh, know, that's someone, true, yeah. Someone changes their appearance or this and that. Like, you never know. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Anything is maybe workable if you think about exactly. it like that. Well, on June 13th, police cut down searches of the area from three to two. However, at this time, there were still roughly 500 people wow. searching for Lauren every single day. On June 15th, authorities released images from an apartment security camera showing a white van traveling in the area where Lauren was last seen within 10 minutes of her disappearance. By the way, anywhere, anytime you see a white van, typically that's not a good sign. It's very bad. Very bad sign. The yes. new information brought in another 500 tips. However, no real leads were gained. On June 19th, police searched the woods outside of Martinsville, Indiana, after two ATV riders reported an unusual odor in the area, but nothing was found. By I mean, if you're in New York, that could just be That's anything. every block. That's right. every single block. Right. Especially in the summer. Ugh. I know. Um, by June 21st, the police had issued a statement saying the white truck from the video had no ties to the case. Okay, but still very sus. Let's at still least say sussy. that. Yeah. It's a sussy van, yes. Yeah, the sussy van, exactly. The search party turnout had begun to lose steam, which you have to expect given how much time and effort they have put into this. And fewer than 50 people were showing up every day to search for Lauren. On June 24th, the police issued the last of their daily briefings to notify the public that the trail for Lauren had gone completely cold. The following day, June 25th, a final push led to Find Lauren Day. Over 500 volunteers searched the entirety of Monroe County, including Hoosier National Forest, which Indiana uh, woods that covered roughly 200,000 acres. So that's wow. like a huge amount of, uh, of location, geography rather. But again, even with this much effort, 500 volunteers, there were no leads uncovered. Wow. I mean, that's covering a lot of acreage for not yeah. finding anything. So that was June 25th, which was the final push. So now we're, let's fast forward to July 3rd, which is only about, you know, what, eight a days week later? Or so, nine yeah. days later. Yeah. A decomposed body was found in Fall Creek, Indianapolis. The Bloomington police were contacted. However, an autopsy revealed that the body was that of a black female mm. who had been in the creek for about two weeks. My God. I hope they solved that case. Yeah. And in early August of 2011, investigators were running out of leads and started searching a landfill in Pimento, Indiana, for clues on Lauren's whereabouts. So even more weeks had gone by after, you know, that initial discovery. Exactly. And yeah. police kept the public and reporters away from the area while they used both handheld rakes and heavy machinery to move around trash, searching for any sign of Lauren. Dumpsters around the area of her disappearance had been searched shortly after Lauren was reported missing. And from that time onward, no additional trash was dumped in the landfill. Oh, wow. So a little bit of a relief in terms of the fact that maybe they could turn something up. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, I always think about this as sad as it is. I'm always like, what's in all of these landfills? Like, you have to assume like there are lots of secrets in landfills. You know what I'm saying? It's like the oh, perfect yeah. place to hide secrets. Let's put it that uh, way. Oh yeah. And you know, authorities did decline to sort of comment on whether a specific tip or aspect yeah. of the investigation prompted the landfill search. But the landfill search did continue for nine days, and the search teams picked through about 500 tons of waste throughout each 12-hour day. 
By the end of the search, the team uncovered no evidence whatsoever. And at the start of the new school year, Lawrence's parents, still in Indiana, hung missing persons posters all over Lawrence University campus. Now, fast forward a few months. On September 23rd, Lawrence's parents hired a PI to help search for their daughter. However, he was also unable to turn up any leads. The PI also suspected foul play, commenting, quote, the last thing we have is her allegedly, and I use the word allegedly, leaving Corey and Mike's apartment. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, and good for her parents, by the way, for hanging the missing posters up. I mean, you know, that, yeah, it's gonna be horrible. it always ends up being the family's responsibility, as sad as that is. Um, once police departments have exhausted their resources, it sounds like they even hired a PI here that also couldn't even do anything. Um, yeah. But anyway, on December 20th, 2011, now several months later, the Spears gave an interview to a TV station in Westchester, New York. When asked if they believed Lauren was still alive, Robert said, quote, we don't know. We hope she is. And Charlene added, quote, I think the odds are against us, end quote. And that has to be, imagine that heartbreak. It's heartbreaking. And just like, you're just defeated. I mean, yeah. there's nothing you can do and all you can do is have hope. But And there's also know. a level of this that's like you have to imagine the parents having to accept that, number one. But right. then, But then also like accepting it to a point where you're speaking it publicly at a press conference like you know that's a whole other level of like okay i guess that's officially done you know totally well in february of 2012 with the help of an anonymous donor uh they increased the reward to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for any information about lauren's whereabouts so that's an incredible thing in and of itself Well, in May of 2012, the Bloomington police met with investigators in New Albany, Indiana, after a man named William Clyde Gibson was held in connection with the deaths of two women and was under suspicion of the death of a third. Always three names. It always is. John Gacy. Yeah, just you name it. Too much. Yeah. Well, that same month, police looked into the case of another missing petite blonde college student who disappeared after a night out with friends. However, authorities stated there was nothing of significance connecting the cases. Mm. Throughout the investigation and search, Lauren's family and loved ones had repeatedly questioned whether her friends might have reacted differently to her intoxication the night of her disappearance if they hadn't been concerned about getting into trouble for being inebriated. I mean, that is certainly something... That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've heard about this like over the years doing so many of these episodes it's like there's a level of like worry about doing the wrong thing when it comes to you know drinking right. drug use even um, right, so people can't be honest yeah you know? they can't be honest exactly well lauren's family felt that they had continually stonewalled they had been continually stonewalled by the friends who were with lauren the night she vanished and felt they might have additional information as to her whereabouts that they were too afraid to share, as we had just mentioned. Right, exactly. Throughout this time, college students came forward and spoke to the media about how uh, the way local police chose to handle underage drinking around campus may well have played a part in Lauren's disappearance. You know, if the, if the, if the police are going to give you a $500 citation because you're at a party drinking right, underage... Why, why come forward with yeah. information? Especially in college when, like, you know, the mindset in college is like, my future is ahead of me, you know, of I, I want to make straight A's or whatever. You know, I could totally understand that mindset. Absolutely. Well, Amara Brenner, one of Lauren's closest friends, gave an interview recounting a time where a friend had gotten arrested and was taken to jail for just being too mm. drunk. 
Amara stated, quote, the police never called her friends to come pick her up and made her walk home alone at five in the morning. When she asked for a ride, they said, there's a cab stand a block away. They don't care about the students or our safety. They care about money and it's really hurtful. Lauren could still be here if they cared a little more about us and not their income, end quote. So very powerful words about that situation. Amara, Amara went on to comment that while police had become increasingly strict on underage drinking at bars, they failed to patrol the desolate areas around the campus. Quote, they don't care about wandering students in the streets. They go right to the most popular area of town where there are a lot of people and look for someone to arrest. There's no extra security. This town is filled with crazy people and the police neglect that and focus on the students with money who they can get in trouble and make money off of. End quote. And this makes you think about, like, what are the priorities of police stations? Do they, you know, are certain police members, you know, I think about this when it comes to getting pulled over, you know, do certain police uh, jurisdictions get a better performance review if they've pulled over, you know, 10 cars per month as opposed to one or two? You know, it's kind of like a weird targeting or profiling. No, it is. I mean, and, you know, there's the notorious quotas. I mean, here we don't know much. Of, I mean, this is all, I mean, yeah. I'm sure this is right that they weren't patrolling, but this is all kind of kind of conflating potentially two issues that might not have anything to do with That's each true, other. too. Like, no, It true. is possible that they didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, I understand the students' complaints, but we have to keep right. all options kind of open. But I think for, sure. for them to state that also makes it awareness going further about for what the sure. police need to do. Yes. Yeah, and for the record, Bloomington police declined to comment on that interview. So they had nothing to put on the record about that. So on July 1st, 2012, so nine years ago roughly, Indiana enacted a lifeline law, which granted immunity from certain charges, such as public mm. intoxication and minor consumption, to people who call 911 when a friend is too intoxicated. Well, this that's is good. good. Yeah. On December 3rd, 2012, Lauren's parents appeared on Katie Couric's talk show, begging Lauren's friends to come forward with any information they may have. It's been years since any new leads have come to light on Lauren's whereabouts. Mm. However, her family still hasn't given up hope. In June of 2021, on the 10th anniversary of Lauren's disappearance, the Spears gave an interview to the New York Post. And in the interview, they stated that they are still working with private detectives to try and uncover the fate of their daughter. They commented that they believe one of the following three scenarios are most likely. Okay? Okay. Perhaps Jesse became jealous that Lauren was out partying with other guys and attacked her. Jesse's only alibi was his father, after all, with the Knicks game, remember? Mm Mm-hmm. Lauren suffered from some health issues. Perhaps she died of natural causes or due to intoxication. And her friends kind of just disposed of her body so they didn't get in trouble for it. Or perhaps Lauren was abducted by a stranger after leaving her friend's apartment for the last time. Mm -hmm. And at 4'11 and 95 pounds, a very inebriated Lauren would have been a pretty easy target for abduction. Now, quote, one of those three scenarios is really the only possibility. If it's one, two, or three, somebody knows something about what happened, stated the family's PI. Okay. If any of our listeners happen to have any leads that might help uncover the truth about what happened to Lauren, they can visit findlauren.com to submit tips. What do you think about these three possibilities <sighs> yeah. that the PI presented? You know, I it's hard to say. I mean, I... I'm certainly not casting a light on any of the people who were connected to Lauren. They were never charged. They were never questioned. You know, they are as innocent as anyone. But I definitely always lean towards the third scenario where she was abducted by a stranger because you have to remember she was so inebriated. She was forgetting everything. She fell a couple times. 
I, I could see a scenario where someone pulls up and says, hey, hey, little girl, like you're 4'11", 95 pounds, need a ride home. And off she went with whomever could take her wherever she needed to go. Remember, she right. was she was definitely trying to get back to her place. That was the other thing we need to remember. So she was certainly, you know, I hate to say it, like ripe for the picking. You know, if somebody was looking for someone to abduct, she kind of fits all of the different scenarios um, for somebody that would be an easy target, as you were just mentioning. So that's where my mind goes. But the reality, Darren, is like there aren't enough details to know for sure. Yeah, the only problem I have with these three scenarios, and listen, like, yes, you're right, 95 pounds, 4'11", intoxicated, anyone intoxicated, but let alone that size, right. would be kind of a, a ripe target for that. But to think that those are the only three possibilities, yeah, I just think that's that that's true. like, yeah. you know, like, what if she got hit by a car and it was a hit totally. run and the guy got rid of the body and threw it in whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Totally. Or whatever. Like, is that likely? No, but neither is abduction and neither is the fact that all these kids hid the body. I mean, that would presume that everyone, no one ever came forward about seeing anyone like get rid or dispose of a body in college yeah. campus. Like, it just seems unlikely to me. That's not to say it's it's not possible. And remember, it's got, so that's the only thing I don't like about these three. It's got to be one of these three. I'm like, yeah, no, not really. Like, it doesn't have to be. And I don't want to limit it to that because I don't want people to stop looking for other possibilities. Totally. Too. That's a great you know? point. And honestly, like with us being true crime podcasters, like I feel like this is just in our heads to constantly think about every, right. every single option. And by the way, our hearts go out to the family and friends. I, I have people, I know people very close to me who have lost um, a child, yeah. you know, who are later in like 18 years old, just completely went missing. And I know firsthand the pain that parents go through with that so i hope to uh, i send all my love to the spirit family in hopes that whatever has happened to lauren they get justice in the long run you know i i couldn't agree more i i hope so too yeah. um, hopefully someone out there can help is the story yeah. uh you know it's still kind of in the zeitgeist or at least we need to keep it in there but uh sure. let's end on a positive note here let's get to some listener shout outs and I wanted to shout out Lauren Anderson in our Facebook group. And she says, just wanted to shout out mom, John Thrasher, and dad, Darren Karp, for not always drinking on every episode. I've been sober almost two and a half years, so it's a nice change of pace to hear. Wonderful. Well, Lauren, Lauren, I want you to talk to Diet Coke and have them sponsor this podcast. (laughs) Or Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's iced coffee. And I'll take Starbucks, but... You're welcome, Lauren. Of course. Uh, Not every time we want to drink. Not every time anyone has to drink. And so, That's true. I will say, you know, there were times where I felt a little pressured to, like, have a drink ready. And I'm like, sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes we record these after hours and I've got a tennis match to go to. I can't be drinking all day. He's got to play his pickleball with the I got to play pickleball with the ladies in the Hamptons. Well, I want to give a shout out, Darren, to Chad Burkowski, who had dinner with my friend Cole the other night in Tennessee. And was talking about our podcast to him without even knowing that Cole and I are good friends and went to high school together. Stop. Um, yeah, so my friend Cole texted me and he was like, um, I'm out to dinner with a friend and he just randomly started talking about your podcast. And I was like, what? That's so wild. It made me feel shout famous, Darren. Yeah, so shout out to Chad and to everyone else who's out there evangelizing Shaken and Disturbed to your friends. We appreciate yes, you. Yes, definitely uh, hawk us out to your friends. And as always, <laughs> get even more of Shaken and Disturbed on our Patreon account. Behind yeah. the scenes picks, videos, 
bonus episodes of John and I describing, you know, which coffee is better, <laughs> which French fry shape is the best, because my girlfriend and That's I have a had a whole one. debate about this. But mm-hmm. they're all available for as low as $5 a month on our Patreon. And you can even get 15% off if you subscribe yeah. annually. So your support literally keeps our show up and running. We really appreciate it. Really, thank you so much. Yeah, and we also want to say, if you have a second and you haven't yet, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. So wherever you're listening to this right now, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or somewhere else, your five-star rating and glowing review of how much you love us will really help us get discovered and go a very long way. And if you've already done that, thank you. You've made mom and dad very happy parents. So thank you. Amen to that. Well, uh, that's it for this week's episode of Shaken and Disturbed, but we will be back next week with another case that's going to shake you and And disturb you. you. See you next time. Bye. Bye.